Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. I love the straightforwardness and the simplicity that, that he uses to teach. His teachings are very simple for everybody to understand. If it hadn't been for this ministry, I don't know where I would be. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Wednesday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today, I'm continuing to teach on how to prepare your heart. I tell you, this has been a powerful teaching. This is something that God has used in my life. Uh, I've got CDs and DVDs on this, and we've also put together a package deal where you can get a book about lessons from Elijah and another one on lessons from David. And uh, all of this is dealing with the same things. And basically, I've been using a scripture as the foundation of this teaching from 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 14, where it says, He, speaking of King Rehoboam, did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. The reason he did evil, the reason any of us do evil, is because we haven't prepared our heart to seek the Lord. Prepare means that you do it in advance. Most people wait. They do their own thing. They they go by their own wisdom and wait until they're in trouble. And then when they're in trouble, they go to God and ask God to fix it. But when you prepare your heart, you're dealing with things in advance. And you can literally reach a place to where your heart is so fixed on God that you cannot go contrary to it. That's what happened to David in 1 Samuel chapter 24 when his uh, soldiers that were with him told him that, that he should get up and kill Saul. Saul had come into a cave where he was and they wanted him to kill him. And it would have been justified by, the, by all of the things around him. And yet his heart was fixed is what he said in Psalms chapter 57, verse 7. His heart was fixed and he just couldn't do it. He had already predetermined that he was not going to be the one who killed Saul, either Saul's time to die in battle would come or his time to die would come, but David wasn't going to do it. Anyway, I'm not going to go back and reteach all of this, but this is really good stuff that I've been talking about. And then in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, I used this verse yesterday. David prayed a prayer and he said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people and prepare their heart unto thee. So I've been talking about how to prepare your heart. We've talked about humbling yourself, being God dependent, all kinds of things. This says that your imagination is part of this process. You have to use your imagination to prepare your heart. And anyway, I'm going to explain that a lot more. Let me give the context of this verse right here. And I'm not going to take time to do this, but if you turned over to, I believe it's the 22nd chapter of 1 Chronicles, David called all of the people together and he prepared all of this material to build the temple. David wanted to build the temple, but the Lord told him that because he had been a man of war and he had shed so much blood that God didn't want him to build the temple, he was going to let his son Solomon do that. But even though David was told he couldn't build the temple, he went ahead and prepared for it. And over there in 1 Chronicles chapter 22, it gives all of the gold, I mean tons of gold and silver and precious stones. And he even provided nails, the brass for the nails and just all kinds of stuff. And I've got footnotes in my living commentary 
that go into exactly what the weight of all of this stuff was and then based on what an equivalent would be today, it's somewhere around $40 billion worth of gold, silver, precious stones, brass, and all of these things that he provided out of his, uh, uh, you know, uh, treasuries that he had in the government, about $40 billion worth. But here in 1 Chronicles chapter uh, 29, David now came to anoint uh, Solomon to be king. And after he anointed Solomon to be king, he had the entire nation assembled. He started giving out of his own personal account, not his you know, government account, but this was his own personal account. And he started giving gold and silver and again, it depends on what equivalent you use for all of these things, but David gave somewhere around the equivalent of $4 billion. Now, he had already given like $40 billion or more out of the government account. Here he is giving $4 billion out of his own personal account and dedicating that to Solomon to build the temple. And when the people saw this, they were so moved by their king and the way that he had his own personal uh, account had given this much money that they started giving offerings. And they started bringing wagons and gold and silver. And all together they gave, if you put all of their gifts together, the entire nation gave about $4 billion. So altogether, this is something like $8 billion that came in in one offering. And David was so overwhelmed at the way that the people had given that it just, it just amazed him. And he began to start praying this prayer. I don't know how many of you have ever been in a supernatural offering. I imagine probably every person watching this program has been in church or in some kind of a service where somebody took up an offering and we've been through that. But I've been in offerings where I mean a spirit of giving broke out. I don't even know how to describe it. But I remember one time that a person came up and gave their car. And I mean, they just gave the car keys and they, they'd gone out and gotten the title and they just gave the car to somebody. And that just, when people saw the way that they had given, they started giving all kinds of things. People gave houses. People were giving large amounts of money. And I mean, it wasn't coerced from them. It wasn't somebody begging for it. It was just a normal offering, but all of a sudden somebody got touched and as they saw the way that they had responded, they started giving. I remember this one service that I was in. People were giving houses, cars, things like that. And one person came up and says, I don't have anything to give. I'm broke. But he says, God told me to just get up and play the piano. And people thought, well... That's okay. But then the guy started crying and he says, I don't know how to play the piano. I've never played the piano in my life. And he got up there and just with one finger started hitting keys. Sometimes he would hit two keys, you know, get in between them. It sounded terrible. But the people saw his willingness to give what he had. He didn't have hardly anything. but he And I mean, people started running towards the front and giving all kinds of things. If you've never been in one of these services where I mean a supernatural spirit of giving breaks out, that's one of the greatest miracles I've ever seen for people to just give, uh, you know, significant amounts and to do things like this. This is what David experienced. And so when he saw this, it says in verse 10, 
It says, Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Here he is. He just ran out of words. He's talking about, I tell you, when you see people literally giving of, their, of themselves to the Lord, it touches you. And so he's just blessing the Lord. And he says, For all that is in the heaven and that is in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. And look at this. He says in verse 12, Both riches and honor come of thee. Again, this is a humble attitude. You know, some people think humility is just being poor and, and never having much, not thinking much about yourself. But you could be rich and be humble. The way you determine whether a person is humble is wh who gives the credit. Are you sitting here and saying, I'm a self-made man. Look what I did. Look at all of they, these things. I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger barns because, man, look who I am. That's pride, and that causes you to get struck in judgment. That was out of Luke chapter 12. But when you sit here and acknowledge that, God, look at all you've done, but, God, you have done this. This isn't my ability. It's not my wisdom. Everything that I've done was just in response to you. You are the source. You're the one that gave us all this. This is humility. It's not wrong for you to have things. It's wrong for things to have you and for you to take credit for it. But here's David saying, both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? Think about this. David had been a shepherd. He was from a poor family, and David wasn't the most influential or the most admired of all of the sons. Matter of fact, when Samuel came to anoint him to be king, first Samuel chapter 16, David's father, Jesse, didn't even think enough of David to put his name in the hat. They knew that Samuel was coming to select a king, and he had six of his sons there hoping that one of them would be it, but David was his son, and he didn't even bring David in. He kept him out with the sheep. He thought there's no chance that David will be picked. David was the least likely to be the king out of all of these seven sons. And yet Samuel looked past all six of the other sons and said, is this all of your sons? And he says, well, no, I have my youngest. He's out there with the sheep. And Jesse, David's father, didn't even honor him enough to put his name in the hat and make it possible that he could be drawn out as the king. But Samuel, God, through Samuel, honored David to such a degree that he says, nobody is going to sit down until David comes. Jesse didn't honor David. His brothers didn't honor David, but God honored him, and he wouldn't even let anybody sit down. And, you know, they didn't have the ability to call him on his cell phone. I don't know how long, but it took a minimum of probably 10 minutes out and 10 minutes back, 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes or more. And Samuel wouldn't let anybody sit down. He was honoring David, although nobody else honored him. So this is what David's referring to. He's remembering where he came from. And he says, who am I that I should give an offering of $4 billion out of my personal gifts? I was a 
shepherd boy, not even honored and esteemed by his father. And yet look what God had done for him. He says, who am I and who is my people? Not only David, but did you know the entire nation of Israel had been slaves in Egypt? At one time they were slaves. They had nothing. And now here they were in just a spontaneous offering, giving $4 billion worth of gold, silver, and precious stones. So David is is just praising God and saying, who am I? Who Who is this nation that we should have these kind of riches, that we should have this kind of abundance to be able to dedicate towards the building of the temple? And then he says, after this sort, for all things come of thee and of thine own have we given thee. Again, what a great attitude. You know, most people, when they give, they feel like this is my money and I'm giving my money. God, you are blessed to have me give you some of this. But the truth is, God's the one that gave you that money. Now, you may have gone and worked. You may have worked 40 hours or 60 hours in a week, but when you get your paycheck, you think, I earned this. This is my money. This is my sweat. This is my toil. But the truth is, God's the one that gave you your abilities, your talents, your health. God's the one that caused you to be born in this nation. God's the one who gave you your opportunities. You may not recognize it as such. Yes, you have to work, but it's God who has given you anything that you have. And if you were to look at it that way, if you were to see yourself as a steward of what God has given you, you would be much more generous. I heard a man one time as he was taking up an offer and he says, I want everybody to stand up. And he says, now reach into the back pocket of the person in front of you or into the purse of the person in front of you and grab their wallet and give like you always wanted to give. And the point that he was making is that if you don't think it's your money, if, if you were to take my wallet, if you were to take my money, you would be much more generous giving my money than you would your money. But when the moment you see this is this is mine, you become possessive of it. You need to quit seeing everything as yours. You need to see yourself as just a steward over what God has given you. And this is what David is expressing here. He says, for all of these things come of thee and of thine own have we given thee. He recognized God was the one who had blessed this nation. God is the one who had blessed their crops. God is the one who caused their animals to multiply. God was the source of everything that they had. Is that the way you see yourself? Do you see your house, your car, your boat, your vacation vehicles, your recreation, anything that you've got, whatever it is that you have, do you see that this is God that gave it to you? And if God told you, you would give it all away because it's His, it's not yours. Or do you possess it? See, this is where most people go wrong in giving because they see themselves, this is my money. It's not your money. It is your money from a human standpoint. People that don't have a biblical perspective will agree with you 100% and say it's all yours. But the truth is, it's really God's. God is the one who's prospered you. He's given you the ability. It says over in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He that gives you power to get wealth. He doesn't give you wealth directly. He gives you power, ability 
If you have a talent, an ability, if you've got physical strength so that you can work and do something and help somebody else, God's the one that gave you all of that. And the truth is any financial benefit that comes your way because of His gifts and talents and strength and health and uh, the place that you live and stuff, God is the one who's the source of all of that. You need to look at it that way as you're a steward, not an owner, but a steward of someone else's money. This belongs to God. Man, those are awesome things. This is what he's praying in this prayer. And in verse 15, he says, For we are strangers before thee and sojourners, as were all of our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. Again, what a great attitude this is. Most of us think that we're going to live forever, that we, we just don't think about the future. We don't think about eternity. We just get focused on this life. But the truth is you are going to spend much more time in eternity than you spend here on this earth. And you need to be thinking about that. You need to see yourself, as David is saying right here, that we are sojourners and we're strangers. You know, over in Hebrews chapter 11, it says the same thing about uh, Abraham. He saw himself as, you know, just passing through. He was seeking a city whose foundation was, was God. He was talking about the heavenly Jerusalem. He was looking at the future. And Abraham was willing to leave his country and everything he had and go out expecting God to give him something in eternity. You need to be eternity minded. And this is what he's saying. Again, verse 15 says, For we are strangers before thee and sojourners, as were all of our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. O Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee a house for thine holy name cometh of thine hand, and it is all thine own. Everything that they are given, God gave to them first, and they're just returning a portion of it back to them. In verse 17, I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and hast pleasure in uprightness. As for me in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things, and now I have seen with joy thy people which are present here to offer willingly unto thee. And then he comes to verse 18. This is the verse that I started with uh, on yesterday's program. Verse 18, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of thine heart and prepare their heart unto thee. So this is talking about our hearts being prepared, which is what this whole teaching is about, is how to prepare your heart, and it brings imagination into it. And specifically right here, what he's doing is saying, God, help our people to remember this. Don't ever let them forget what happened right here, this spontaneous offering in that people gave billions of dollars worth of gold, silver, precious stones, brass, and all of these other things, linen and stuff. Help them to always remember this. Don't ever let us forget it. And the way you remember is through your imagination. You know, if I was to ask you what the home was like that you grew up in. Now, there's some people watching this that you didn't have a fixed place. You moved around. And so it may be a little hard for you just to remember. But like I grew up from the time I was two until I got married and left home, I grew up in the same house. And I can remember that house. And if you were to ask me, how many doors did that house have? 
I've never sat down and just counted them, but I could tell you exactly because I can see that house. I could tell you exactly how many doors we had, exterior doors we had in that house. We had three exterior doors. I could count the windows. I could tell you exactly how many windows. I could tell you the bedrooms. I could tell you a lot about it, and yet I'm not looking at it. How is it that I can tell you these things? Because I've got a picture of it, an image of it on the inside. This is how you remember things. If you go park your car someplace, you go into a shopping mall, and then you come out, did you know that you remember where you parked that car? Because you can see it. You may not be seeing it physically. You could be inside the mall and not be able to physically see it, but you could tell me. You, you remember that when you walk out of the mall, you will turn either left or right, and it's on the first row or the third row, and you know it's... You may not remember exactly what spot it's in, but you know it's down to the left instead of down to the right. You have a, a picture of where you left that car, and, you, and that's how you go back and get there. You know, if you wanted to drive home, you have to know, you have to have, be able to see that. You have a picture of it in your mind. And you couldn't get home if you didn't have a picture of it. This is what happens to people with Alzheimer's and they can't remember and they can't remember where they are. They can't remember where they were going. They can't remember how to get back home. Your imagination is how you remember. That's what he's saying. Lord, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of their heart. He's saying, help them to remember. Burn this image of this supernatural offering into the hearts and into the imaginations of your people. Don't ever let them forget it. You know, there's a number of times in Scripture, Psalms 103 is one of the classics where it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. You know why David said forget not? Because our tendency is to forget. Unless you make an effort, unless you prepare your heart, unless you focus on this and rehearse things, you will forget the good things that God has done for you. You'll forget the goodness of God. And so it takes effort. That's the reason it is a command. Forget not all of His benefits. You have to engage your imagination. You have to go out of your way to go back and remember. You know, the Lord touched my life in a supernatural significant way, March the 23rd, 1968. And there have been very few days since then in the last 52 years that I don't go back and remember and think about it. I picture it. I can tell you where we were. I can see it. And more importantly, I can see what God did touching my life. I remember it. And because of it, it's more real to me Matter of fact, Joe Nay, the guy who was my mentor, he just recently died, and I went and did his funeral. He was 91. Uh, Joe held a meeting with me, I don't know, 30 years after this experience. Joe was there when I had this experience with the Lord, March the 23rd, 1968. And I started telling him and remembering things that we had done. And after a while, Joe said, quit it. I said, quit what? And he says, I can't remember these things. And that was one of the reasons that Joe had some problems. Now, praise God, he was able to recover and he went out with a shout. But I'm saying Joe had some problems because he didn't remember. You have to make an effort to remember. That's what this teaching is about, is how to prepare your heart. 
I've got it on CD and DVDs, and then we're making a package deal where you can also get these books on Lessons from David and Lessons from Elijah. Our announcer will give you information about how you can receive those products, and please call or write today. Andrew's teaching, How to Prepare Your Heart, is available as a CD or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. Each of these valuable resources are available for a gift of any amount when you contact us. This entire series is also available for audio download absolutely free from our website. You can get this teaching in the How to Prepare Your Heart package, which includes your choice of either the CD or DVD album from the How to Prepare Your Heart series, as well as two books, Lessons from Elijah and Lessons from David. This package has a catalog value of $50, but today you can receive these valuable resources for just $35. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these teachings. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources or you can call our helpline at 719-635-1111. Ready to get more out of God's Word than ever before? We gladly announce the Andrew Womack Living Commentary. This continuously updated Living Commentary is now available exclusively as a download for both Mac and Windows at awmi.net. God's Word will paint a picture on the inside of you of who you are and what you have. The message, I know how it's transformed my life, and I just want to um, participate. It seems like all roads led back to Andrew Womack and Karis Bible College. But I just believe that God's raising up, and He's raised up Andrew to, to stir the hearts of people. Being in the atmosphere of faith that we're in is, is just life-changing. Andrew's ministry has a way of changing lives in, in ways that people never imagined. On March 23, 1968, Andrew Womack received a dramatic revelation of God's unconditional love and grace. Since then, Andrew has shared this nearly too good to be true news with millions of listeners worldwide. With his daily television show reaching 4.4 billion people worldwide, Andrew's message is changing more lives than ever before. He's expanding the vision through Karis Bible College, which has already discipled thousands of students around the globe and continues to grow every year. To learn more about what God is doing through the ministry, visit awmi.net. I want to let you know that our phone center has expanded our hours to where it's 24 hours a day, Monday through Friday. And we receive about 40,000 calls a month. The majority of those are prayer calls. We are seeing awesome things happen. We've seen uh, people raised from the dead by relatives that called in and asked us to pray with them. We've seen miracles of healing. We are seeing God touch people's hearts, change people's hearts. 
And uh, you know, the devil doesn't just fight you during the work hours, it's 24 hours a day. So we're open 24 hours a day, five days a week, 719-635-1111. The information will be on your screen, but I encourage you to call and take advantage of not only the products that we're offering, but we have some of the best prayer ministers on the planet, and now it's 24 hours a day, five days a week. If you'd like to receive prayer, Andrew Womack Ministries is here for you. Call our helpline at 719-635-1111, 24 hours a day, five days a week. Prayer ministers are standing by. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events.